great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into this Tuesday edition of the Great Scott Show. In some ways, it'll kind of feel like a Monday edition. Coach Michael Desimo, my interview with him, which is each Monday during football season, will air this morning because it was Labor Day yesterday. I hope everyone had a wonderful Labor Day. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It'll also feel like a Tuesday because Jay Walker's going to be in in the 8 o'clock hour. What a week one of college football. Wild in a lot of ways. Especially that game Sunday night at the Caesars Superdome. More on that in a moment. But um, listen, we're going to get into the uh, the Cajuns and their victory and got a lot to discuss with Coach Michael Desimo. A whole lot. And I'm looking forward to that. That's coming your way in about 15 minutes, 10 minutes, give or take. But Georgia looked like a varsity team playing a JV team against number 11, Oregon. Either Ohio State isn't quite as good as advertised or Notre Dame is actually properly ranked coming into this season. The SEC had a really strong week one with a few exceptions. And the Sun Belt... Had a pretty strong week one, but came up just short in a number of areas. I say pretty strong. It, 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 kind of 50-50, right? App State, we talk about wild. That game Saturday was, how do you score 40 points in the fourth quarter and lose a game? There were 62 total points scored in the final quarter of North Carolina App State. It was insane. It was insane. And a former Carolina quarterback and Chase Bryce had several opportunities to go for two, once to win it, had a guy wide open, missed it, ran the same play at the end of the game, and guy was covered. He tried to run it, couldn't get there. Wild. It was just wild, though. Then you had Southern Miss, who turned it over what felt like a 100 times and lost in four overtimes to Liberty. Then you had South Alabama just trouncing Nickel State. They won by 41 points. Louisiana wins it. Georgia State lost by three touchdowns at South Carolina. I mean, we'll go through more of that with Jay and, of course, more of the college football world as a, as a whole. But the game Sunday night between LSU and Florida State was, it, it, I don't even, I've never seen anything like it. It truly was just, it was just wild. And, excuse me, for the Tigers, one that, they're, they're, you look, they should have gone for two at the end of the game. I'll start there. They should have gone for two. They should have gone for two. Ah, oh, you can't do that. You had all the momentum. You had the momentum, exactly. 
you just scored with no seconds left on the clock, and you have a chance to do it again from three yards out to win when your special teams has had two muff punts, a block field goal, and as according to Coach Brian Kelly, you already made some changes up front in your block team for, for PATs and field goals because of some issues earlier in the game. You were very vulnerable there. Oh, well, if they don't get the two-point, everyone rips them. Yeah, everyone's going to rip them no matter what. Let's be honest. That performance by LSU, even if they had won, a lot of folks would have would have been ripping them. Because Jaden Daniels, up until the final drive, it was... Kind of what what you what everything you've read about everything you've heard about him as as a quarterback, you know it was the the former Arizona State uh, offensive coordinator that that called plays when Daniel was there when Daniels was there and said, "Listen, he's it his exact quotes." This is former Arizona State uh, offensive coordinator Zach Hill. That he's a he, he's a guy who, to a fault, he wants the ball in his hands. A lot of the time, if it's not going well, he'll just run. First read's not open, he's going to run. And he made a lot of plays doing that because he's more athletic than almost everybody out there. It didn't help him in the pass game. Our passing numbers weren't where they should be. But it kept us in games, and it worked most of the time for him. It's truly elite speed. And I think Daniels, you know... That that last drive was extremely impressive. First of all, it's insane that they even had a chance. I mean, after Neighbors muffs another punt, when LSU's defense gets their first three and out of the game, they were missing, you know, Mason Smith, who went out at the beginning of the game when he was celebrating. It was like very unfortunate for him. And then you had a captain in Allie Gay who just every definition of the word targeting gets ejected on a touchdown throw. And that Florida State quarterback was, he was good. I'll give it to him. He was good. But Jaden Daniels, you know, he was, if you just look at the numbers, 25, 26, 35, 209 yards, two touchdowns, 16 rushes, 114 yards. Fourth quarter alone, he was 14 for 18 in the pass game for 138 yards and two touchdowns. That's where the passes came. And they got down the field somehow and probably with another chance after the fumble by Florida State. And then they missed the extra point. Some have pointed out, you know, oh, remember when the Saints did that? And the, no, John Carney, I remember. Carney missed the kick. This one was blocked. But um, Coach Kelly after the game. Lack of communication is one way to put it. I, I would just say, you know, as this game is moving fast, it's it's making sure that you're not tipping off coverages and – um, you know, making sure you're leveraging the football the right way as, as well as communicating. And, and, yeah, these guys haven't played a ton of football, um, and they're going to get better. Um, I, look, I, I'm not here to, you know, say we take any solace in, in, in a loss. That's not why I'm here at, at LSU, to, to, to learn about uh, great lessons in, in losses. Uh, but the reality of it is um, we've got some – some learning to do. Um, we've got to coach better and we've got to play better. More on that later on in the show. Louisiana beat Southeastern 24-7. to 7, 24 to 7. 
Um, first half was good, honestly, in a lot of ways. The defense was was great. Offensively, you put together two scoring drives. It was efficient. Then you had the punt return by Eric Gare. How good is he? And then Ben Woldridge came in, and he drove the team down the field. And they came up short inside their own 10-yard line in the red zone, and the momentum, it took. It didn't really, honestly, it didn't really come back for the offense. They scored another touchdown, you know, late in the game in the fourth quarter. Johnny Lumpkin's second TD catch from Chandler Fields. I joked, I said, Chandler Fields, a Saints fan. Johnny Lumpkin, a Falcons fan. That's about as much kumbaya as you'll get between Saints and Falcons fans. Those guys working together. But no, they, they, they played well. Johnny played really well. And it was his birthday. Shout out Johnny Lumpkin. But, you know, there were, there were a number of, of I think, Im- impressionable things to take away from game one for the Cajuns. But the effort was there, which was good. Uh, the run blocking needs some work. Quarterback play, what's it going to look like? Is it going to be every third series? Is it only going to be two or three a game? Are they still mapping that out? That question and more is about to be answered from head coach Michael Desimo. He's joining me next. We'll talk about the win, next week's game, some of the emotions surrounding the season opener on Saturday. There were a number of things happening. Now, coach talks to me every Monday at 7.15. Usually that's live because I'm usually on the air live on Mondays. Yesterday was Labor Day. But as far as his schedule goes and sticking to it, that's the time. That's what we do. So today's interview isn't live. It was recorded yesterday. But you're going to want to hear it because there is a lot of good insight, a lot of good intel, and a lot to discuss. And it comes your way next right here. It's the Great Scott Show on a Tuesday. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Kick is away, and Garrett says no fair catch, and he's going to return, and he's got some room. 30, 35, 40, Garrett to the outside midfield. He is going to go, Eric Garrett, to the 20, 10, touchdown, Louisiana. No flags on the play. That's going to go back 88 yards. Welcome back into the Gray Scott Show on a Tuesday Hope everyone had a great Labor Day. Uh, joining us now, as he does every Monday during the college football season, except this week. Technically, though, we're recording this on Monday morning. We're sticking to the script. He's sticking to his schedule. And uh, that is Louisiana Ragey Cajun head coach Michael Desimo. Good morning, coach. How you feeling this week? I'm, I'm feeling good, Scott. Good morning, man. Thank you for uh, thanks for, for recording me on, on a Monday anyway. I know... Uh, kind of messed up your schedule i appreciate you helping me out with that no it's all good man i'm happy to do it and uh, we love having you on every week getting your thoughts on on the game that was and i guess fill in the blank for me for this first one the number one lasting impression from game one of the rage occasion football season was blank um effort you know i I think you know whenever you turn on the tape I, i think our kids play with the effort that we wanted um you know, it was. We wanted to go out there. We wanted to play 
really fast. We wanted to fly up and down the field. We wanted our guys to play with an effort that, you know, there were no, no loafs on tape. None of that stuff showed up. And, you know, we, you turn on the tape and, and they played really hard, you know, not perfect all the time. Certainly, uh, you know, certainly a lot of things that we've got to continue to improve on. Um, but, I mean, we knew that was going to be the case. So I, I was really proud of those guys. When it comes to, to watching the tape in a normal work week, does that just come the, the morning after a game? Um, well, you know, typically most of us watch it that night, um, which I watched it, you know, after the game, I watched it that night and then I watched it again the next day just to, you know, got to kind of go through and just make sure you see everything that, you know, nothing slips by you. Um, so yeah, I usually watch it, you know, two or three times before, you know, before we finish up with it and move on to the next one. Your your first win at Cajun Field as head coach. Now, uh, you've consistently said, look, it's not about me. And I get it. But being the son of a program you're coaching, it creates things that wouldn't be there if you weren't. For example, you know, a ton of your former teammates showed up Saturday to support you in the program. You know, little things like that. I know this won't be the kind of question or storyline, rather, that is going to follow you throughout your career. But since it was the first one at Cajun Field, I, I think it's worth worth asking. How did that make you feel having all those guys there? It was unbelievable. Um, you know, sometimes those things, you know, obviously, you know, you, you try to downplay it a little bit because you really don't want it to be about you. You know, I mean, I've had, I've had my moment, I've had my my opportunities, and um, I really want it to be about these kids. But uh, you know, whenever I kind of whenever I came down and you know, just kind of just the thoughts, you know, run through your head a little bit about all the things, you know, it takes to get to this point. And then after the game, I mean, when I tell you I was, I mean, I was shocked. I just couldn't believe, couldn't believe those guys had showed up, you know, to be there. I mean, former students and players that I've coached in the past, whether it be high school, college, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, it just it means a lot, you know, whenever people go out of their way to do something just to show you very subtly that, you know, they're supporting you and, and those guys being there, man, that was truthfully I, I just I was I was shocked. You know, I just I guess would have never expected it and um, you know, really was touched by it. One other note from that and then I'll I'll get back to the game. I know afterwards you were taking a picture with uh, young Cal McGuire. Um, he was yeah. wearing number eight. He was tossing the ball around with Michael Jefferson, who's number eight. And for those that don't know, Cal is the son of uh, the late Brad McGuire, who was a former teammate of yours, a quarterback, a fullback, a team captain that, that tragically passed away a few months ago in a car accident. Those are the kind of moments, Coach, that, um, I don't know, it, it's it's hard to put into words. And I guess people that maybe aren't into sports or have never played or or just never been around it might not understand, but... Those are the kind of moments that you just, it makes you realize that things are, are bigger than sports, and yet sports has a place in sort of elevating those things, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think, you know, I think sports can bring out the good that's out there, you know, if you let it. Um, you know, Brian McGuire was the guy that just meant a lot to to so many of us. You know, I mean, he was, he was just an unbelievable teammate in person and competitor and um, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I have kids too. They're, they're, you know, not much older than Cal. And, you know, just to think that, you know, just to think of the dad that that kid is, you know, unfortunately missing out on, you know, um, I just, you know, 
know, it just it, it kind of crushes you to think about it because Brad, you know, as good of a person and a human as he as he was, I mean, I mean, that kid, you know, now he's got greatness inside of him. And Heidi, his mom, is awesome. I remember her, you know, when we were in college. She's great, too. Um, but it just kind of it kind of breaks your heart to think about, you know, the things that he's going to be missing because, uh, you know, Brad was as good as it gets, you know, and that's uh, – that's, that's a tough deal for sure, but uh, I was I was happy to get to meet him. Um, I thought it was awesome that Heidi brought him, and you know certainly you know you watch Michael throwing the ball with him, and you know again I say it all the time this place is special because of the people here. A guy like MJ, you know that's what you see. He he didn't probably had no idea the significance of what he did, and but did it anyway. Coach Michael Desimo, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Prather. You said after the game about your team, you know, all they've heard about is that we've lost too much to keep going. And, you know, they've heard about who's not here. Um, you know, there were plenty of familiar faces that have been there for quite a long time that were major parts of the win, whether it be a Johnny Lumpkin, whether it be a guy that I asked you about last week during this segment, Eric Gare, you know, a guy that's constantly overlooked and has been one of the better players on the team year after year now. Um, I'll ask you about newcomers in a minute, but as far as some of those guys that have sort of bled and sweat with the program for a number of years now, they stepped up big time for you on Saturday night. They did, and that's what you, that's what you need, you know. Um, you need those older guys to kind of carry the load and kind of, uh, you know, really you need them to step their game up to to the point where the young guys have time to figure it out and to get to where they're playing comfortably and playing well. And, and then, uh, and, and then you kind of hit your stride and then kind of get your own thing going. So I think that was awesome. Um, you know, to have guys like Eric and Johnny and I mean, shoot a number of older guys that played really well for us. That's, that's, that's really, that's what we needed. Um, and we need them can, to continue to play at a high level because, you know, that's the thing that, we felt like this team was really talented, you know, even the young guys. And I still feel that way. I actually, I know that now after you see it on tape and you go through fall camp, but they're going to, they're going to need some time to be able to get to where they're consistently playing the way you want them to play in there. Uh, you know, that's just the way that it works. So having those guys step their game up and play really good, that was, that was huge. And it was something that, that, you know, I expect them to play well, but it was certainly something that we needed. You know, two older players, two leaders, one that never stops talking to Johnny Lumpkin, another who isn't the most talkative in Eric Gehr, but, um, you know, is leading, you know, by the way he plays. When it comes to quarterback play, starting with Chandler Fields, your starter, um, how would you assess him, you know, as a vocal leader for the team? Um, and and what's what's that element of his game like? Some quarterbacks, they they come through the program, they they talk a lot, and by talk a lot, I just mean on the field, right, and and just sure. in general. And then others like Terrence Broadway, they come through the program. They're more a little more reserved in terms of how verbal they are. Where, where's Chandler Fields on that list? Chandler's Chandler's not real verbal. Um, you know, I mean, he it's just kind of not his thing. You know, I mean, he he's a he's a lead by example guy. He goes out there and he competes, and he's got a confidence about him that the players know. Um, you know, they, they, they know that he's got kind of this unwavering confidence, which I think um, they love, you know. But, uh, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot. He's just kind of about his business. And I think um, our team, I think it's good for our team, you know, because offensively 
you know, we don't have a lot of guys that are that are really very vocal in the leadership arena. You know, Johnny certainly is. Um, Chris Smith can be um, when when he needs to be, but most of them are really very businesslike. You know, kind of go about their business and go do it. And uh, and Chandler, I think it's that's a little bit more his area. Um, now he's not he's not afraid to get up there and say something that needs to be said, but you know, really he just we've got a good leadership group and he just kind of takes care of himself and plays with confidence and it seems to seems seem to work pretty good for the person anyway. After watching the film, how would you assess his play in game one? I thought he played well, you know. He um uh, you know, one of the sacks really was uh one of the sacks I felt like was kind of our fault, you know, preparation wise. We you know, gave him that look a while back, and I kind of thought that it was that he would see it the same way on the on a as, as we coach on a different play, but but he didn't. So that's on that's on me to to prepare him better for that. Um, you know, and really, I thought Chandler played well. I thought he he took care of the football. He put it in good spots. Um, you know, like anybody, I mean, he missed a couple of throws, but I mean, that's that's the nature of the game. You know, when you when you throw the football, you're gonna miss some throws. So he. Um, you know, I thought Chandler played really well. Thought he handled himself well. Uh, you know, just like, you know, really the the kind of player that he is. You know, doesn't matter if things are going great or things are not going that great. I mean, he just kind of keeps plugging away. You know, that's kind of that's kind of his deal a little bit. So um, he played really well. I thought for us, certainly there's a lot for us to improve on. Um, you know, and things that we need to do better. But I think he showed that. You know, he can go out there. He can handle that stage. Um, and then on top of that, you know, he can really he can really make plays that are going to help this team win. Um, you know, some of those throws that he made, you know, that first one he threw to Johnny was 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 pretty was yeah. a big time throw. Yeah, laser shot there. Um, yeah. Ben Waldrich, he got a number of series as well. Uh, after watching the film, how about his performance? I thought Ben played pretty well as well. You know, pretty well too. You know, I think uh, the plan for us was to give Ben two to three series. Um, you know, every week and kind of go with it that way. So Ben got three series, which was, which ended up working out perfect, uh, you know, for us. And I think it was really good for him to get in there and get to play. And, you know, like I said before, I just, I just really believe that in the long run for our team, I think if something were to happen to Chandler, we were, we'd be doing our team a disservice if Ben didn't get to play some right now. And, you know, I mean, I think if you watch the tape, if you watch the game, you'd say, well, man, they're both pretty good quarterbacks. And it's like, yeah, you know, we knew that from the beginning. But, you know, we we made the decision because Chandler does some things down the field that give us a better chance to win and, you know, still feel that way after you watch the tape. You know, I mean, it was not a quarterback controversy thing. It was the plan was to give him three series. So that's the way we did it. And, um, you know, he played well. He missed a couple throws in there as well. You know, had his eyes in the wrong spot on a couple of them, but you know, it's part of playing the position. When you play, played enough, you're gonna make mistakes. You've got to keep moving. And I thought he didn't. Neither of them did anything that was critical to us. You know, winning or losing the game. And I think for that, I think they need to continue to control the ball in that manner. Um, if anything, the only thing that they do is give you a better opportunity to win by putting the ball in good places and making good decisions. And so. You know, um, if we can get our quarterbacks to play that well or better, hopefully, right throughout the year, then I think we'll have a we'll have a chance to win a bunch of games. You you mentioned every uh, you wanted to give them three series. I think during the game it was maybe every third series. 
Uh, that's just the way it played out. Is that right. the same plan moving forward? Is it just a, a, an overall number going into a game? Is it every third series, I guess? And and is it is it kind of up in the air? Is that a decision you guys have to make each week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of up in the air a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think early in the year, though, I would like him to get, you know, two to three series. I think, you know, if we play another game that kind of has that weird flow, it might not be three series. It might be two, you know, I mean, cause we kind of had that lull in the middle there, you know, in the second quarter, they, we go down, we kick a field goal, they drive, we stop and they punt, we return it for a touchdown. Then they go on a long drive again. And then we don't get the ball back. So right before half, that was our third drive in the first half. We only had three drives. So he played that drive. And then the, third quarter we kind of struggled to find a little bit of rhythm you know right after halftime so you know we didn't have as many possessions as as you'll normally have you didn't have as much flow so you know another game like that maybe it's two series instead of three um but you know i definitely wanted to get him three in the first game and um i'm glad that it worked out that way but you know every week's a little different and that's just the way that it is you know you mentioned uh the law that you know you had Two good drives, the punt return, and then the next drive seemed to be going well. A couple of uh, solid runs in there, and then, you know, a couple of short runs and got turned away on fourth down inside your 10. Um, that momentum, that it felt like, I, I, is that, did it carry over into the third quarter? Or what do you think, is that just natural part of the game? You mentioned the lull in the third quarter. Like, what do you attribute most to that before you guys were able to, you know, put together that th- those points later in the fourth? Yeah, you know, I think a couple of things play into it. Um, you know, we had, a, like you said, it was a really good drive. We're moving the ball down the field. You know, Ben hit a uh, hit an, another explosive throw down the field. We had some runs that were kind of popping off. And then, uh, you know, my mind, in my mind it was, you know, we're moving the ball really well. Let's try to capture this momentum right now going before half. We get the ball right after, um, you know, and felt like we were moving the ball at a good, pretty good clip and felt like I had a pretty good grasp on it. Uh, and then we come up short, you know, so certainly um, that was a bad play call on my part. I, I knew should have changed it, uh, did not. But, you know, we don't get it. So we go into halftime and in your mind, you're still thinking, well, we'll come out in the second half. We still get the ball. Um, and, you know, a little bit of it was, you know, just our breakdown and kind of the way that we thought they were going to play the game in the second half. They changed defensively. They they started pressure on down in distances that they normally didn't. And um, it took took us two drives to well, it took us really a drive to figure it out. And then the second drive started moving the ball a little bit. Then we missed, um, kind of got behind the sticks a little bit in that second possession, the third quarter. So it just took us a little while to kind of get it going um, in that in that third quarter. And I think part of it was was certainly, you know, missed a little momentum. Um, we hadn't played in a while, you know, had, the, had halftime, the whole deal. And then you go three and out right off the jump um, in the third quarter. So it just takes a little while to kind of get it back and get back in rhythm and you know, we did move the ball well at times, um, but you got to finish in the red zone. You know, you got to finish drives. You got to score touchdowns. You can't kick field goals, and all those things. You know, all those things play into the game, and you know, it's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good opportunities to learn. Um, there were a lot of things for us to go through the tape and say, "Hey, look, you know, we have a chance to be a really good team, and when we're playing well and doing the right stuff. You know, we're moving like this and." You know, but at the end of the day, really good teams say they finish games when it's time to finish games. And, you know, we want to be a really good team. We want to we want to have a great team this year. Um, 
but there's a lot of learning experiences in there that you can say, well, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta keep improving if that's the team that we want to be. And you certainly got to play four quarters. You can't go three, you, you know, can't play three out of the four or two out of the four. You gotta, you gotta play a full game if you really want to be good. And, you know, the third quarter is something that I think for us, you know, we got to find a way to start and reset that tempo in the second half and, and try to, you know, keep, keep the momentum building, I guess, into the fourth. Louisiana victorious in game one, 24 to seven. The final we're visiting with Rage Cajun head coach, Michael Desimo. Um, I want to circle back La- last quarterback question, but I'm kind of tying it into the things you were talking about offensively. Um, it, it, as a play caller, you know, coach Leger has pointed out that, that Woldridge and Chandler have pretty similar skill sets, few small differences, right? But as the play caller uh, yourself, does, does it change at all based on on who's in the game? Is it if so? Is it just a small change? Like what what happens um, for you whenever you know another quarterback enters the game in terms of play calling? I mean, really, you know, the only thing that I that I called a little bit differently was that uh, I went through with them and, and got their third down calls. You know that they that they liked and ranked them and put them in order. So. I had that written on my call sheet kind of, you know, had Ben, uh, had Chandler certainly, you know, Chandler's were all written down. And then I had Ben's marked on the side um, just so that I knew whenever Ben was in there, if we had third downs, what were the plays he was most comfortable with? Um, you know, obviously I liked them all. That's why they're on the call sheet. But, uh, sure. you know, you, the kids have to feel good about what you're calling in those situations. So that was just the only difference. Um, you know, really every play that we had, you know, in the call sheet, you know, was open for all of them. Um, sometimes some of the shot plays, um, you know, I try to figure out which shot plays they like the most, um, you know, and then the the one that, you know, that, or, you know, we had one designed for MJ that, you know, Chandler really liked and Ben, you know, didn't like. We'd already tried with Chandler. We just missed the throw. But um, so there was just a couple of things like that, just kind of some preference stuff in the past game that I try to get with them and, and see kind of where their comfort level is with some of it. And certainly you don't want to call something that they don't see well or they don't feel good about. And, um, you know, that, that's really the only difference. Coach, after watching the film uh, from a run game standpoint, how would you assess your run blocking in game one? Um, you know, really in the run game, I mean, there was it's kind of like, it's kind of like everything, right? You know, there are times where you look at it and you're like, wow, you know, these guys really – have done a good job. You know, we're, we're really moving the ball. We're, we're doing some really good things. You know, we got to go in the right direction. And there's times where, you know, it's one guy here or there. Um, and that's the nature of playing offensive line. You know, all five guys have to move as one. They have to all be in sync and they've really got to all, they got to all be on the same page constantly. And, you know, one guy that's too thick on a double team or too thin on a double team or misses with his inside hand or whatever the case may be, um, and then, you know, you've got a play that's, you know, like I said, it's six inches of hand placement away from being an explosive run to, you know, plus one. And, you know, that's the nature of it. But I, overall, I thought those guys did a really good job. Um, you know, certainly there there were some things that, you know, technique stuff that we've talked about that, that we got to continue to work on and, you know, getting the second step in the ground and, you know, playing low to high and all those good things. But, you know, there's a uh, – a lot of good stuff on that tape in the run game as well. And I think for us up front, the more that that unit continues to play together and mature together and continues to get those game day reps together, um, 
you know, that, that group will be just fine. I thought they played really well. On the defensive side of things, and I know you spoke about it afterwards uh, to Cody Juno, and then again in the press conference, but uh, Lamar Morgan, no stranger to the program like you, played here, had coached here before, but last year wasn't on the staff, but you bring him back as the D.C. You said you had no no doubts, you know, he understood the culture. Uh, how would you grade his his first game as the D.C. and just the defense overall in game one? I thought those guys did a really good job. They had a great plan. Um, you know, they knew that. You know, look, we we've got we've got a good we've got a good defense. You know, on that side of the ball, and they knew that. And so, you know, I think sometimes as a coach, you know, the challenge is, is not to make it about yourself and try to overdo it. You know, um, and I think Coach Morgan and, and the staff they did a great job. You know, they kept it they kept the call simple for our players. Um, and truthfully, you know, Southeastern with as many different personnel groupings and, and formations and sets as they run, that complicates things enough. Um, so I thought it was a really good plan by them to say, hey, let's simplify, let's eliminate some of these calls because we're going to have to adjust it all out anyway. Um, and let's let's just let these guys go play. Um, so I thought they did an excellent job. You know, we had some substitution issues in there that we talked about a little bit. Um, you know, we got to we got to get we got to get that cleaned up a little bit because especially you know with tempo and all that stuff, you're going to have that. Um, and as people, you know, people watch tape as they see you have substitution issues, that's what they're going to say. Oh, well, they they can't get lined up. So, um, you know, that was the one thing that kind of showed up. I think the mistakes that we made. You know, they had the long pass. They got called back. Um, it was just a communication issue. You know, we had some young guys on the back end and uh, they didn't communicate the, you know, the, the, the kick call. They had to kick coverage around the other way and, and one of them didn't get it. And that's, you know, that's kind of what happens on defense, right? You can have 10 of them doing it exactly right. And, you know, all of a sudden one of them's on, on, on a different page and it's a touchdown. So um, I thought they did a fantastic job. They played 29 players on defense. Um, a bunch of those young guys got experience that they needed to get and it's going to help us in the long run. Um, so, you know, really proud of Coach Morgan and our defensive staff. Um, they've done just a, a really, really good job with uh, with these young players that are going to be significant contributors for us this year. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great schedule. I'm Scott Prather, Coach Michael Desimo on with us this morning. Typically every Monday, he and I are recording this on Monday, but due to the Labor Day holiday, it is airing on Tuesday morning. Um, so with that, being that it's Tuesday, we're not too far away from the next game, Eastern Michigan, uh, they got a win in their season opener against Eastern Kentucky. And, you know, I look at, 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 at this game, Coach, and it's at home, national TV, Saturday night at 6 o'clock, longest active win streak in the country, highest winning percentage the past three seasons, you know, conference champs, four-time division champs. I mean, you guys have the skins on the wall as far as success goes in recent years. And... Being a nationally televised crowd, I know, um, you know, you guys are, are you're calling on the fans. You have your hardcore, your diehards that show up. But uh, I know for Saturday night, as appreciative as you were for all the fans that showed up in the opener, um, you guys are always going to be calling on the community and, and calling for more people to come out. And I think this Saturday night, again, nationally televised, um, you know, at home again, a lot of success coming into it. This is one that I know, you know, let me ask you this, Coach, as I'm rambling here. As a former player and as a coach and, and this particular team that, that's yours, what, what element does uh, uh, an active, loud, big crowd add, 
you know, aside from the obvious, well, there's more noise or there's this, but maybe take us inside, right? Inside the program as a former player and as a current coach, what's something that maybe the common fan wouldn't understand that, okay, the fans also make an impact in this way. You know, it's, it, I don't, I don't even really know how to describe it, but it's just the roar of the crowd. Like whenever, when it's in a critical moment and it's your crowd and it's just, they come to life and the noise just kind of rises up at the right time and you just kind of feel it in your gut and you just know that, that you got, you know, 30,000 people right there behind you and that they're, you know, they're in it with you and they're, they're locked into what's going on. It's just a feeling that it's hard to, it's hard to describe, but you can just feel it in your gut. And I mean, it just kind of runs through your veins a little bit. And, um, you know, our crowd makes a huge difference for us, you know, and, you know, man, the weather stunk on Saturday, you know, it rained the whole time. I know the, I've been in the tailgate scene out there. I'm sure that we had some people that were, that were mourning the loss of a, a tailgate day. Uh, but, uh, I thought, you know, I thought we had a really good crowd and they were, they were active and they were into it. And, uh, the student section I thought was really good. And, you know, I think, you know, it's like anything, man, the crowd you, you want, shoot, you, you, there's never enough, right? If you can put one more person in there, you're always trying to do it. But, um, no, our fans are, are fantastic, and I think for us, um, you know, it's a great opportunity to be on, on national television um, on a Saturday night um, against a team that, you know, in Eastern Michigan that, you know, they were in a bowl game last year. I mean, they've, they've the last few years they've really got that program turned around. They've won a bunch of games. So, you know, you got a team coming in out of the MAC. I think it's another group of five conference. Those games are always really important, right, whenever you start talking about the long term and, um, I think when we play those crossover games and the bowl games, people get fired up about it, but this is just a, a regular season crossover matchup. So, you know, for us, for a, for a lot of reasons, this game's really important. And, um, and man, you know, Scott, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll beg and plead whatever I got to do because I, our fans make a difference, you know, and Saturday night was amazing. So, um, you know, the more the merrier, man, the more people we can get in there cheering on this team, um, these kids deserve it. You know, they do things the right way. They play the right way. And, you know, I think they're going to come in. They're going to see us play the, play play another quality opponent right here. And I think, you know, like I said, in the group of five landscape, it's a big deal to play these crossover games. Last football question for you this morning, Coach. Was there anything you learned about your team over the last week in, in game one, week one, that you didn't know before or any maybe questions that you wanted answered that were answered or uh did nothing surprise you? Was it kind of, you know, I, I, I know my team. Well, you know, hopefully I played it kind of cool leading up to it, but, uh, I mean, no, hell, you never know till you know, you know, uh, you, you think, you think that you got a good pulse for it. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the 48 hours leading up to that game in your head, you start playing through all the things that could go wrong. Right. And you start thinking about, you know, how many young guys that you got that are going to be playing for the first time and doing all these things. And you start, you know, you kind of start to say, Oh man, you know, we, uh, you know, where are we really at? And, uh, so for me, I think just to see them go out there and play, I was proud just, you know, I think every team has its own, has its own like identity. Um, and even though a lot of these guys have been here for, for a long time, right. You know, we've got, we've got a significant number of them that have played on this played on winning teams and won a lot of games here. Um, this team is going to have its own identity. And, you know, I mean, I certainly 
you know, I love the way we've played ball here the last four years, and that's what you want. And to see them go out there and play with that same intensity and see them play with that same chip on their shoulder and same effort and same toughness, that's what I wanted to see. Like, you know, I mean, you know, people talk about it being my team or, or what have you. We were all we all built this thing, and Coach Napier built it. I mean, built it the right way, and we played the game the right way. I want, I want my team, quote unquote. I want our team to play the same way. You know that that's the reason we won is because our kids are tough, they're smart, they never give up, and they're you're going to have to match their intensity for 60 minutes or however long it takes. And that's the name of the game is to find a way to win. That's the most important quality of a team, and. We've done that really well the last four years. So all the other things, you know, we'll figure that out. We'll get better at some of those things. But I saw all the intangibles and the qualities that we need in the team to win games. And that's that's what I was hoping to see. Last thing, Coach, and it's, it is it is tied into to football and coaching, but maybe not the game that you guys just played or what's coming up against Eastern Michigan. I've heard college football coaches, high school, NFL, coaches in general talk about uh, man, after a game, I, you know, I once once we, we completed everything and I was finally getting ready to leave, I, I got my phone and I had all these text messages, right? You hear that a lot. I imagine depending on the game and this, you know, is it a bowl game? Is it a conference championship? It is a regular season, whatever. So, obviously, some games you're going to get more text than others, but what, what is what is Coach Desimo's phone like when he's finally leaving either Cajun Field or, or finally getting off, you know, or onto the plane from a road game, do you get many texts, whether whether it be from family or, or, or former coaches or teammates? I do. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it, it, it's just, it's humbling the people that, that think about you, you know, and take the time out of their day to, to send you a text. And, I mean, yeah, you know, after the game, it, it's a little bit overwhelming maybe at first, but, but I really do appreciate it. And I, and I respond to all of them because, um, you know, someone took the time out of their day to to think about me and send me a message. And so, you know, it, it's pretty cool because it's everything, right? It's from family, you know, that I talk to all the time to, uh, you know, friends that I talk to all the time to players that I coached in high school years ago to, you know, former college coaches, uh, you know, I mean, Coach Bustle and Coach Phillips. I mean, when I got in my office and I pulled my phone out of my desk, you know, had texts from those guys, um, you know, colleagues, you know, guys that are at other schools that, you know, that, that it, it just it just means a lot, you know, that, that people think about you because I know there were a lot of football games that, that were played on Saturday. And, um, you know, it, it's just when people take the time to do that for you, you just, you know, you just feel really grateful that you have people that care about what you're doing and care about you enough to do that. So I was I was very grateful for it. Rage Occasion head football coach Michael Desimo has been our guest. Louisiana, 14 wins straight. They're going for 15. and uh, But for this team, they're going for a 2-0 start. And they're at home this Saturday night, 6 o'clock against Eastern Michigan. Uh, and, Coach, appreciate you uh, chatting with us this week. For those that uh, are listening, he and I recorded this on Monday. And uh, next Monday, we'll be back to doing it live. But airing on Tuesday. Uh, Coach, I'll let you get back to work, man. We always appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and talk to me, talk to the listeners, and and talk to the fan base. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you guys. Big thanks to Coach Desimo for coming on. The Great Scott Show continues after this short timeout. Reminder, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Jay Walker in studio 
We'll uh, talk about the wild week one in college football. We'll talk Cajuns. We'll talk, well, we got Terrible Tune Tuesday as well, of course. And um, in the next segment, and, and we'll also talk about some ticket promotions going on. In the next segment, though, we'll open up phone lines for a few minutes, 337-269-1077. Um, the words that our um, listeners used to describe uh, LSU's season opener against Florida State. Some of them I can say on the air, some of them I can't. Uh, but we'll get into all that and much more. It's game week. Baby. We're only two days away from the NFL starting. It's just, it's football. It was great to talk to Coach about the game that happened. On Saturday, just as he said, I, that was maybe my favorite part about it. I was like, man, I, I hope I played it close to the vest, but there's always that element until you see each year a team play on the field. You are you might be confident in it, but you're not sure until they actually do it. it but um, they did it, and he was, he was pleased with the effort. And obviously, though, as he pointed out, still, you know, a number of things that they need to work on. So we'll be right back after this. It's the Great Scott Show. On ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Only a couple of minutes left here this hour. Good talking to Coach Desimo. Jay Walker in the 8 o'clock hour in studio. Got a lot to get into. You know, talked about fans on our Facebook page or, you know, fans, followers, football fans. Um, getting back into LSU for just a second, we put up a, a post Monday morning and said, what single word best describes last night's LSU football game? Um, Debbie says, uh, panic. Kid said, expect it. James said, fundamentals. Todd said, outplayed. Is that a word? Justin said, building. Mark said, disastrous. Someone said, what game? Someone else said, epic. Someone else said, overrated. Someone else said, patience. Someone else used a word that I can't say on the radio. Someone said, unprepared. Actually, that was Bandit that said, unprepared. Someone said, ouch. Someone said, lost. Someone said, soft. Someone said, amazing. Someone said, debacle. Someone said, disappointing. Yeah, you can go check all of that out. There's plenty of reaction. But, you know... There are a lot of takeaways from week one of the entire college football season. And, Jay, as we prepare for uh, the 8 o'clock hour, we'll dig a lot more into it and talk about, um, you know, I know a ticket promotion happening with UL. We'll talk about college football, the Cajuns game, some other games. We'll have TTT. But what was your biggest takeaway, not including the game you called, from the entire week one of the college football season? Um I think my biggest takeaway, because of who I cover, my biggest takeaway is App State's going to score a lot of points this year. That was the wildest game. Oh, sure. I think I think Georgia had the most impressive performance. Yes. Um, I think App State and North Carolina was the wildest game. And even even wilder than, than LSU-Florida State, yeah. which was pretty wild in its own right. I think that one had the wildest finish. Which is saying something because that App State one, <laughs> I, I I don't I I don't know that it had the wildest finish. If you look at the last the last fifty seconds of that Appalachian State game, it was it was crazy. The it dude was. Run, the, the dude from North Carolina runs back the onside kick when he shouldn't have. Right. It was. Um, I just sixty two points in a quarter. Yeah, forty points by one team. North Carolina's <laughs> defense is atrocious. Now, 
I'm not trying to say that App, that you're not right about App State. I'm just going to say the team that, that North Carolina played in Week 0 scored 24 on them. It was Florida A&M. Mm-hmm. And Jackson State held them to 7 this past week. So, yeah. And, and you know what? I don't know what Gene Shizik's doing, but App State said, keep doing it. We're going to take advantage of this. And Chase Price was just dicing them, but they couldn't stop North Carolina. 63-61. to 61. Yeah, crazy. It felt like, it, it's similar to the LSU-FSU game. It felt like App State, oh, you just lost the game right there. Wait, wait, there's another chance. Oh, you just lost the game. Oh, my God, they actually have another chance. Are they going to do it? Oh, they just lost the game. It was like up and down and up and down, and it truly was not over until the clock struck zero. Uh, or until Florida, you know, um, North Carolina recovered the onside kick with like three seconds left. But wild games. Uh-huh. And you're right about Georgia. My God. Yeah. If you're Oregon, because Oregon will probably win nine games. Like they're not going to be bad. Oh, but I it, think I think they'll win ten games because I think they're going to. They're the team to beat in the Pac-12. And yet, all, all due respect to USC. And yet they'll they have to be in that game, being like, okay, when it comes to a national title, like. We're this far away? Mm-hmm. It looked like varsity versus JV. Yeah, it really did. I mean, <laughs> Georgia. I don't know. How did they, did they just they just recruit giants? I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Oh, well, yeah, but look at their quarterback. Yeah, their quarterback, they won a national title last year. If that's, if that's their biggest worry, then I think they're going to be pretty good. I still, I still marvel at the fact that Stetson Bennett was a UL commit until Georgia offered him. It's an amazing piece of trivia there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Coach, he was coming here. Coach Napier came in and brought him in, and he was going to do it, and Georgia's like... Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. They offered him, like, a, was it a gray shirt, or, like, you'll eventually get a scholarship? Oh, I, I, I don't... I, I, I don't think it was like... I think it was like you, you'll... You do a year here, and then you'll get one. Yeah, and, and that I don't remember. I, I just know that he was committed to come here. It's like I, you know, grew up a Bulldogs fan. Want to go there? Then he's winning national titles. We got a lot to get into after a wild week one in college football. We'll dig more into the uh, the Cajuns opener, a number of other games from around the country, some promotions happening for uh, the game this Saturday out of Cajun Field. We will talk about. Got terrible Dune Tuesday. The NFL season kicks off. We're full on football mode. We're loving it. Don't go anywhere. Oh, yeah. And maybe a little Major League Baseball, too. Because even though my Mets beat his Dodgers last week, they didn't really follow it up by giving me a whole lot of confidence. Jay is still in a much better place when it comes to baseball fandom. Great Scott Show continues right after this. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hour number two, Jay Walker on a Tuesday, as always, my friend in studio. Phone lines open as well this hour if you want to chat with us. 337-269-1077. The uh, 
College football season, I know it opened up last week, but it really opened up this past weekend. Um, tons of games, week one, memorable games. Uh, we'll start with the one that, that I talked about quite a bit last hour with the head coach that you called. The Cajuns open up 1-0. and um, Some lulls in the third quarter. The other three quarters, strong play from the Cajuns. Um, I guess let's start on the, the, the plus side. What was your biggest positive takeaway call in that game? Well, first of all, they had no turnovers. Um, I think that uh, both quarterbacks managed the game well. I think that uh, once again, it's going to be very hard to game plan for the Cajun offense because you had 11 different guys that caught the football. And I think defensively, which was probably my biggest takeaway, is no big plays by the defense. Uh, And when I say that, I mean they didn't allow any big plays by the Southeastern offense. And if you go through a game and you don't allow any big plays, most of the time you're going to win. I don't know off the top of my head what their biggest, what Southeastern's biggest gain was. Yeah, I think going into the fourth quarter, it was like 14 yards. Yeah. Wait, I have a I have a box score here. There you go. I'll um, you'll find go, out now. Yeah, go ahead. I'll um, wait a minute. I don't have the box score. You know, defensively, it was it was a um, it was a solid performance. You know, they beat Southeastern. You know like what? I got to I got to take it back. They did have a twenty one twenty five yard game, and it, and it came late in the game. In the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well. What kind of defense were they running? But point is, okay, so they gave up a 25-yard game. Biggest play of the night, late mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the no turnovers thing, though. When you think back to a season ago and the amount of one-possession games the Cajuns won and, the um, and you know, where they finished in turnover ratio last year in turnover margin, uh, one of the better teams in the country, that's a good sign. And the reality is this. When you're, when you're playing – an FCS school. I mean, we can go back to when the Cajuns lost to McNeese many years ago. 2007. They turned the ball over a bunch in that game. I mean, if, if the way to get upset when you're a favorite, a double-digit favorite, is to turn the ball over a lot. Yeah, And, I'm, I'm, and they, they didn't, you know, they protected the ball. Quarterbacks looked good. Um, the defense looked very good. How would you feel about the O-line's run blocking? Um, work in progress. I think it's going to be a work in progress for a while. I, I kind of expected it. I think as a result, the Cajun offense is going to have to be a little bit different from what we're used to because I don't think that they're going to be able to just ground and pound, um, at least not early in the season as they develop some depth, perhaps. Um, I like the fact that, uh, that Williams and Cabote ran angry. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I liked what I saw to both of those guys. But this is, this is a team that's probably going to have to throw it a little bit more. And you can go ahead and put the ball in the hands of the running backs in different ways um, and, and let them go ahead and make plays. And, you know, I, I, think you'll, I think you'll see those things. Look, everything that the Cajuns did Saturday, they can probably do better. And I think Mike can call plays better. And, and he talked about it after the game. Uh, he said that he's got to do a better job. So I, I, this team, I think, is going to, you know, going to work on some things. I think they're going to get better. Um, I think this coaching staff is going to coach better. 
and we'll see how it goes as the as the season progresses. I did not expect to blow out Southeastern. In fact, I wasn't sure that they would. Uh, I wasn't sure that the Cajuns would cover thirteen, uh, but they did, and so I'm. I'm very satisfied with with what I saw Saturday. I think they're going to have to play better this week. They are uh, right now a 12-point betting favorite. Uh, Cajuns minus 12, hosting Eastern Michigan. Saturday night, nationally televised, regular season. And you know what's crazy? Second week in a row, you're going to go up against a quarterback who has played in the Sun Belt Conference. Really? Their starting quarterback was at Troy at one time. Powell? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I, I, and I don't remember if the Cajuns ever faced him. Um, but he did play for the Trojans. I think he had seven touchdown passes um, in the time that he was there. He threw 30 passes in their opener. Uh, he was 21 to 30 for 271 yeah, yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they're going like 22 yards a catch. And so that, you know, that's, that's something the Cajuns are going to have to prepare for because their quarterback is a lot different from the quarterback that they faced last week. So... Cajuns have won 14 games in a row, uh-huh. the longest win streak in the country. And they got a little flash sale happening for the next couple of days, starting at 9 a.m. today through 6 p.m. Thursday. So it ends at 6 p.m. Thursday, $14 general admission tickets. Nice. 14 straight wins, $14 general admission tickets. Cajun owned box office once again this week will be open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., so some extended hours today. Always good to buy them there. You avoid all the online fees when you buy them online. And uh, I know that uh, I don't know the details yet, but there's going to be a, a tailgate spot special as well starting today. So be on the lookout for that info a little bit later on. Um, you know, trying to get a crowd out there. I, I, I've said that. You know, it was it was actually the lizard that I can't believe I never thought of it this way. You have your hardcore Cajun fans, and you had sixteen plus there, sixteen thousand plus there. But you have a lot of literal fair weather fans. Mm-hmm. The weather's fair, they'll be there. If it's not, they're not leaving their house. And I don't know what the weather's going to be Saturday, but you got a nationally televised game. On Saturday night, the complaints have always been, well, nationally game, but it's on a, a Tuesday or it's on this night or it's, it's 11 a.m. or it's 6 p.m. on Saturday, which I think is the time that everyone wants and um, you ready? This is the first nationally televised Saturday night game at Cajun Field ever, ever, ever on Saturday. Is mm-hmm. what the 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 conference championship kicked off at what two thirty last year or something like that or three? I think it was at three. Yeah, and, yeah, and and okay, and and I meant to say regular season, okay, but but yeah, I mean the, the championship game. Kicked off early, and uh, you know the the other Saturday nationally televised games at Cajun Field have been earlier kickoffs. So, um, so it, I guess in that in that regard, it's historic. Another home game as well, and then they'll be on the road for a few before homecoming. But um, be on the lookout for that again. Fourteen dollars GA tickets. Go get some 14 straight wins for the Cajuns. We started talking about college football as a whole. 
Um, we'll we'll circle back and get into some of the the P five teams in just a moment. But we talked App State. Anything else from some of the Sun Belt scores stand out to you? James Madison's complete dismantling of Middle Tennessee, and this their first game as an FBS school. You know, we talk about Chase Bryce six touchdown passes. Well, James Madison threw for six as well, and I'm you know Middle Tennessee's not a good football team, but. 44 to 7. For, but for a team moving up to the FBS, I, I thought James Madison would win. I, I didn't think they would embarrass Middle Tennessee the way they did. So that, that was very impressive to me. Um, Old Dominion's win over Virginia Tech. I, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm just going to pause rather than make any judgment because I don't think, I think Virginia Tech's in for a tough year this year. And um, so that's it's a win over an FBS, and 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 you never uh, win over a Power Five, rather, and you never discount wins over Power Five schools, even if you beat in Kansas. That's still that's still good. Um, but I'm going to uh, to wait and see um, what happens with Old Dominion down the road. And whenever the Cajuns play at Old Dominion someday. Not this year. Just make sure you lock all your lockers in your locker. Uh, yeah, that's a shame that that happened. Um, what do you think? Stole? And and Georgia Southern tied a school record Saturday. They threw four touchdown passes. Huh. That ties a school record. I'm surprised the fans didn't revolt. What are you doing? They went 59 to 7, but you can't be throwing it. You got to run it. Well, they're going to be throwing it. They're going to be throwing it a lot. And and I think they have a quarterback that can do that. So, um, yeah, four touchdown passes in a game ties a school record. Southern Miss almost won despite turning it over what felt like 100 times. South Alabama crushed Nichols. They've got a quarterback, and I think that's going to make him very dangerous. Crushed him. Um, Marshall, 55-3. to three. I mean, some of the opponents for some of the games weren't, you know, they were expected to uh, to win. Um, but you know, it was, it was interesting to, to follow that and the takeaways, um, and the SEC, everyone won except, except LSU. It was a game that, you know, I, I told you this during the break, couldn't, couldn't believe it when Florida state fumbled it at the one. I mean, when neighbors slipped it away after the LSU got their first three and out on defense of the entire game when they had to have it, but it was like, I can't believe they, they still have a shot here. And he fumbled it, and it's like, well, this is it. And the fact that Florida State fumbled it away and, you know, LSU goes 99 yards, scores without any time left. I said it as soon as they scored, go for two. Oh, yeah, I, I did go for too. Two. I did too. Go for two. And I, I don't understand, number one, you had issues all night on special teams, including in your kick coverage. As a matter of fact... They allowed a free rusher on every field goal and extra point from the same position three times out of five attempts. One of the times the rusher just didn't go because they were playing. They were worried about a fake. Coach Kelly said after the game they made changes up front after the early block. So that right there is just reason enough. Two, uh, you had the momentum. Three, I, unless you are playing like. Just, I don't, I, I don't, I, I have trouble finding a scenario, Jay, where 
you can win the game right now from three yards away. Or you can try to win it in overtime where there are a lot of intangibles. You don't know what's going to happen. No, I, I, I think it was a, a poor decision. Go for but, two but every look, time. But look, I have some things to say about the game. The only reason LSU was even in that game was because Florida State was stupid on, on, on several occasions. Florida State should have won that game two touchdowns or more. And the only reason LSU was in position is because of Florida State's stupidity. LSU's offensive line is not good. Nope. They're not going to be able to run the football. They've got a quarterback that's got happy feet. He's athletic as hell, and he's going to make some plays for him. But you want to know why Keyshawn Booty had a, had such a, a, a hanging lower lip? It's because this guy drops back. And if he doesn't see anything right away, he takes off running. Well, Kayshawn also dropped two touchdowns. Right. He did. But but I'm talking about the quarterback. But that's, when you have that tendency and you have an old line that struggles, it's only going to amplify that. Well, yeah. But but that, you know, that's that is something that they're gonna have to fix in a hurry. Because if all they have is the quarterback as a runner, they're going to have some serious issues when they play good defensive football teams. I think LSU's good defensively. They suffered a big loss. Terrible. Mason Smith, awful. Terrible loss. But their, their, their kicking game, it's obvious that it's poor. But, you know, if this... If you've got a one-dimensional quarterback that only is going to hurt you with his legs, you're not going to win many football games. He, um, His OC at Arizona State said he doesn't, you know, he doesn't normally go through all of his progressions. When it's not there, he's, he's, he's going to run. And he said, the thing is, sometimes... It works, and it's the thing that wins you a game, but it also is the thing that sometimes will lose you a game or not not keep your offense involved. It's a, and, and I'm I'm reading that, and I'm like, well, behind this O line, because some people, you know, it's it's LSU, it's the first game. Obviously, there's, there's going to be a lot of strong reaction, but it was like putting us my in. I'm like, if you put him in behind that O line right now, I, I I don't I think he would just get crushed. I mean, you. And, and Coach Kelly said before the game, I want to play Nussmeyer at some point tonight, but the way the game played out with that O-line, you couldn't put him in there. No, and and I'm, you know, look. But they, I don't think, I think, look, I think Jordan Travis, I was not expecting that. I thought he was very good, the quarterback for Florida State. Yes, he was. Um, I don't think that Florida State as a whole is a good football team. I, I don't think they're great by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're better than they've been the last two or three years. That guy verse on defense is is really good, and I think Jordan. I think he's great, and I think Jordan Travis is pretty good. But Florida yeah. State can run. They've got athletes. They just they got good team speed. It was um, it was it was a really really bad debut for Brian Kelly. Now it is his first game. I'm, yeah, and and you know, you know, I of course, I've said this for years, and you've agreed. Everybody's going to overreact game one. Whether it's good or bad, they're going to overreact. And I think what happened on uh, Sunday illustrates that 
Brian Kelly inherited a mess at LSU. He has inherited an absolute mess. And it is going to take him some time to get players in and to get his players in to run what he wants to do. Um, I think LSU is in for a long season. I think they may have a long season again next year. This is a major rebuilding job that the man has got over at LSU. His personnel's not good, Scott. In terms of game one, there is always going to be overreaction. But when you're concerned about a team, and I said it. Look, I, I said some of my concerns about LSU and the Saints and UL, they all, they all kind of sit around the offensive line. And I want to see some questions answered. And as far as like a debut goes, I mean, LSU's O-line was, was really poor on Sunday night. And so... I'm not going to overreact to Kayshawn Booty, you know, scraping his Instagram or or to focus on, you know, I, the special teams was awful. I I'd imagine it'll, I can't imagine it'll be that terrible all season. But the thing that I had a question about, it was it was a rough start, and I don't, from a personnel standpoint, you might be right. It just I don't know. I don't know how much better it's going to get. It has time, but I think that's going to be an issue for them all season. You know, I went back and looked because, you know, sometimes stuff pops up in your phone, right? So I went back and looked at some of the comments on on the LSU message board. You were on an LSU message board? I, 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 (laughs) it was like, it it was, it was yesterday morning. Okay. okay? And, um, Looking at the vitriol and how vicious their fans can be when things aren't going well. I mean, the the the, the kid, the receiver the from LSU, neighbors. yeah, who and he had a good game on offense. Okay, he had two muff punts. but he had two muff punts. You know, I mean, they want this kid run out of the state. Ridiculous. And, I mean, and so I understand why players might, you know, shut down their Twitter because I'm sure that LSU fans were probably vicious toward a lot of players. And, um, you know, I... You Malik Neighbors was great. I mean, he's from Youngsville. I mean, he was at Como on Southside. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a great kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that, that he scrubbed Instagram and Booty did and Kyron Lacey apparently was, was apparently to, quote, focus on football, which I read as to just not interact with... Yeah, because you know it's it's tough when you're a student athlete. It's great to interact when things are going well. It gets awfully difficult when things aren't, and you're dealing with all of that stuff. But look, Brian Kelly was one and three in his first four games in Notre Dame. Um, the there there is he brought one one coach from Notre Dame came with him. You know where that guy coaches? Special teams. Mm-hmm. So if anything should have been. Kind of close to smooth. It should have been that, and it was, it was anything but. And, and it's crazy because special teams has been a weapon for LSU for for quite some time. It was certainly a liability in game one. I have a feeling that's going to get better. Um, but I, I just, I, I just don't think Brian Kelly's got a hell of a lot to work with over there. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports um, as a whole. Georgia was impressive. Alabama plays Texas this week. I I think 
I think they're going to crush him. I mean, you think Texas has a shot here? Uh, no, I don't either. You should hey. Arkansas. Arkansas beat a good Cincinnati team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it, the SEC as a whole, it just it looks like they're going to be once again just. By the way, Bama's a twenty point favorite, but it looks like the top of the SEC anyway. I'll say that. Um, There's a big game in the SEC this week, and that's Florida hosting Kentucky because Kentucky's supposed to have one of their better teams, and the game is at um, Lexington. No, it's, it's in Gainesville. It's in Gainesville. I was I was about to get to Florida, Jay. Um, but the, the other thing, if you get a chance, you need to go onto social media and check out what Jimbo Fisher had to say about App State yesterday. That, Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, yeah. We can. Well, I'll, I can pull up the audio for that in a minute, um, and I'll do that. But um, the Gators, Coach Napier, his debut. They're at home. They beat a top 10 team, a Utah team that I think is the best team in the Pac-12. Um, and one possession games, you know, not beating yourself. It was uh, it was a good debut for Coach Napier in Florida. The fans seem to be into it. And you mentioned it. You know, if they, if they get by Kentucky, the schedule lightens up a little bit. But they have a chance to get off to a really good start, you know. And Kentucky, let me see what the line is on that game. Um, Florida is at five and home a half and a four and a half point favorite. Four and a half, okay. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not gonna like we we. I was here in the studio producing UL, and we had the Cajuns game on a laptop. And there's you kind of we had the Florida Utah game on the TV up there, but there's so many things going on. You kind of just glance at it here and there. I didn't get right. to like actually watch it or anything. But uh, but I saw the ending, and you know, off to a good start. And as as I knew it would be, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, social media was rampant with, oh, well, you know, LSU frowned their nose. They should have hired this guy. Glenn Gilbo was really diving in on fans. And then, like, you know, fair or not, he'll always be compared to Brian Kelly. And then Kelly loses. And then I'm getting all these text messages Sunday night, like, dang, LSU should have hired Napier. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay. I don't know if it's just fueled this much because it's week one. Or if this is just going to continue for like oh, it, a it, couple it, of years, it's going to happen every time LSU loses a football game. All right, and 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 I'm going to say this: my opinion. I think LSU is better off with Brian Kelly, and I think Florida is better off with Billy Napier. I I think those coaches are better fits where they are. Now, why do you feel that way? Just um. I, I don't know it. I it, last year, all the time there was talk about about Billy and LSU, and I never had the impression that either party was interested in the other. Now, now we know LSU had no interest in Napier. Okay. And then when the Florida job came open, and I don't remember which one came open first, but when the Florida job came open, that day I said, okay, that's Billy's job right there. I think the LSU one came open first, but it was that weird, hey, Coach O's going to still coach the rest right. of the season, and we're going to pay him a whole bunch of money to go away. Um, so I, um, I thought from the very beginning Florida was Billy's job, and – 
I'm not surprised that he's there. I, I just I just never felt I never saw Billy at LSU. I, I, I guess is what I'm saying. I think that the schools are in obviously, obviously you know, they're in different places, different regions, right? They're both in the southeast footprint. There, there's some similarities in terms of like the fan base, the reaction to things. Like they they have a lot in common. Now maybe Florida's budget's slightly higher, but when it comes to athletic budgets and boosters, you know, it's kind of you could say one's higher than the other, but I, I guess money's not really going to hold either back at all. Like I think I think they're they're very similar in a lot of ways um, in terms of you know how they how the fans are and their athletic departments and things like that. But um, I just I know that it's. That comparison, whether folks like it or not, to your point, whether it was as close as some suggest it was or not even close at all, it's just always going to be out there. Sure. And um, it's not going anywhere. Anything else from week one that you were like, whoa, or you think we covered most of it? Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I was going, whoa, watch it just, you know, paying attention to the score of the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Uh you know, we're so used to Ohio State rolling up a bunch of points. Yeah. You know, and they're they're sitting there and they're they're down ten seven in the second half. Um, now I didn't know anything about the game, of course, but I was at least glancing at the scores during commercial breaks and stuff, and it was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. We we didn't we I, again that was while we were producing and and then we had the Florida Utah game on the TV in here, so I was kind of like you. I was just following the score and for for a little while there. Either Ohio State isn't as good as advertised or Notre Dame isn't overrated. Maybe they're properly rated. I mean, um, it was just, it's funny, you know, a number, what, number two team beats number five team 21 to 10, and everyone's like, I can't believe it was that close. Yeah. And you look at number three versus number 11, and betters are like, I can't believe Oregon didn't just kick one more field goal so we could hit the over. My God. But Georgia, getting back to them, it was 49 to three. It could have been, it could have been. 66 to 3 if they wanted it to be. It was uh it was just complete. Spe- speaking of over under. You know the over under in the Cajuns game was 66. Yeah, that makes zero sense. Yeah. Zero sense. Well, you know, Vegas low well, you know, Southeastern averaged 50 points a game yeah, last look year. At, look look yeah. at who was on the team no, last yeah, year and who's I, on the I, team I, now. I know. I know. <laughs> 66. And 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 you know, uh, it's in my contract. I can't bet. Okay? At all? At all, I didn't know that. And you and can talk about it, but you can't do it, I, right? And and but it, on but, any sport, but uh, it, on collegiate sports. Okay, okay, okay. So you could you could bet like Major League Baseball. Um, you have to look at the contract. <laughs> no, no, because I work for Learfield. Yes, I okay. could do that. If I worked for the university, then no, I wouldn't be able to do that. Gotcha. Um, but I can advise my friends. And I do. 66. Uh-uh. Don't do it. Don't do it. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball in the final segment. <laughs> Talked a lot of college football. The NFL season kicks off Thursday. Bills, Rams, uh, most of the rest of the schedule kicks off Sunday, and then you only have one Monday night game. I don't know why they're not doing the Monday night football doubleheader week one. That's that's disappointing. But Major League Baseball continues. Um, 
The Braves keep winning. It's driving me crazy. Uh, the Mets are up one game in the NL East. Uh, the Cardinals continue to play well. Your Dodgers, 5-5 five and five in the last 10, but I would say they're okay. Uh, they, they lost three in a row. They lost two um, to the Mets and then lost the first game of the San Diego series, came back and won the last two, and then lost to the Giants last night. Issue that they have right now is Tony Gonsolin. Who's uh, who's on the IL? He threw a few pitches, ninety feet, but he's got to get up to hundred and twenty uh, before they'll consider putting him back on the mound. That forearm strain is something, man. If it gets aggravated, you can be out a while. Gavin Lux uh, isn't playing right now. Um, the you know the the thing about the Dodgers is they have had so many injuries this year. You know, Walker Bueller is, you know, out for the year. He hadn't pitched since early June. Kershaw has been on the I.L. twice. Most of the Dodger bullpen has been on the I.L. Blake Trinan has has been out since the beginning of the year. Just got reactivated um, last week. <laughs> but their magic number to clinch the West is eight. And they are still 49 games over 500. Yeah, they're they're they're... They can just, if they wanted to, they could literally just wait. Now, I I have said this, and I will say it again. The Dodgers will not win the World Series with Craig Kimbrell as their closer. They won't. He's not good enough. Not good enough to hold a one-run lead against elite teams when the playoffs roll around. So will Dave just put in guys that typically aren't closers to throw like he's done in the past? Well, you know, if they could get some people healthy. Oh, by the way, David Price just went on the I.L. Um, if they can get their pitchers healthy and Gonsolan comes back and you can have Gonsolan and Tyler Anderson and Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, if you've got those four, you could move, for instance, Dustin May to the late-inning bullpen, or as Dodger fans call him, Ginger Guard. Um, he could probably get it done. Maybe Trinan takes over. Um, you know, Bruce Dargratterall's back on the IL again. When when he gets off, he's capable. But I just I just know that that Kimbrel is not good enough to hold a one run lead in the ninth inning against elite teams. Dude, do you realize if the if the season ended today, how great the National League Division Series will be? Amazing. The Dodgers and Braves and the Cardinals, who are as hot as anybody right now, with the Mets. I. I that's that's a call in six series, if it ended today. You know the Braves keep winning. The Mets are only up a game, and someone said, "You know, do you think there, there's part of me that's like, yeah, the Mets will probably blow it." But when you look at this, the remaining schedules, and the Mets have two in Pittsburgh tomorrow. They have a three game series with Pittsburgh. They have the Marlins. They have the Cubs, and they have four against Pittsburgh. Then they have Milwaukee, who's at that point probably probably done for. Then you have Oakland. Then you have Miami. You're in with Washington. It's really just you have three games at Atlanta in October, the beginning of October. And as hot as Atlanta is, they've got some more difficult games left. They got San Francisco. They got Philly. A couple of, I think, two different series against Philly. They have Seattle. Like, I, the Mets should win this thing. They should. Yet they're just, it's, it's our nature it's our nature. It's our nature to just be like, how are they going to screw it up? 
How are they going to screw it up? Max Scherzer, he leaves early. Some kind of oblique pain. Like, oh, God. He says he'll be fine. But I don't know, man. If On paper, they should do it. But I've I've seen this movie before, Jay. I'm a little nervous. I understand. A little nervous. It's going to do it for the great Scott show. Thank you for coming in, Jay Byrne. Thank you for having me, as always. I will see you next Tuesday, and we'll talk with everybody from Cajun Field on Saturday. Reminder for that game, Saturday at Cajun Field. Cajuns, 14-game winning streak, the longest in D1 football. $14 general admission tickets. It's a special, a flash sale. It's happening today through this Thursday at 6 p.m. The sale starts in five minutes. Cajun-owned box office extending their hours 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., you can buy them online, but you can buy them there, and you avoid all the online fees, get it done. They'll also uh, be having a, a tailgate spot special promotion. The details for that will be announced a little later today. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.